Hey, and thanks so much for taking a moment to visit our podcast. Our mission at Antioch FBC is to grow in the knowledge and love of Jesus and go to our neighbors in the nations. We want you to be encouraged by this podcast and hope even more that you would come be a part of what God is doing in the community of Antioch. To find out more, visit us at www.antiochfirstbaptist.org. And now, stay tuned for a message from Pastor Matt. Last week, in between our first and second song, I came up and we, we talked about how the Lord was moving. And we talked about there were... And so that's what we're going to kind of talk through this morning. What is going on up there? Is it biblical? Is it scriptural? Is it emotionalism? Why are we seeing the response that we're seeing in Wilmore? Well, Lauren, her cousin, it's, it's kind of a long line, but her cousin is a freshman in college at Esbury. He's playing baseball. And so we had talked earlier, I think it was around Christmas, and we said, you know, Jack, we want to come up and see you play baseball. Well, we started looking at our kids' baseball schedule, which many of you remember how that goes. I, I'm coaching Chandler, seven-year-old team this year, so get ready. We have our first practice this afternoon, and Man, he's excited. I think I'm excited. Uh, it, you know, watching seven-year-old, basically cats, run around a baseball field trying to figure out how we're going to get them. But I was talking, and we looked at the schedule, and I was like, Lauren, we need to go to Asbury. And so we did. Friday night, Ryman was playing volleyball down in Cool Springs. And so we got done with volleyball about 6.30, and we drove to Wilmore, Kentucky. And when we got on the campus, of course, I don't know if you, it's about a three-and-a-half-hour drive, but you lose an hour. So we stepped on Asbury's campus at 11.30 p.m. Our kids were sleeping on the whole way. We took all of them. We got out. And so we park, and we go, and we get to this chapel in this field. And there were at least three to 500 people outside waiting in line at 11.30 p.m. And our kids looked at us and go, what? I mean, it's 32, 33 degrees outside. We're bundled up. And so we go get in line. And for about an hour, it took us to get from when we started into the chapel. So I want to show, I've got some pictures and videos, and so I want to show, Ryman, that first video. This is when we first got in line. Uh, channel 2 on the soundboard. Ryman, you can turn it up a little bit. They can hear a little better. All right, you can click off the, the blank slide. Again, this is 11.30 p.m. And that music you're hearing is the, they've piped it outside into the ground, into the grove, that's, that's what's happening inside the chapel. And we're standing there and we're wondering, like, again, I'll be honest, when, when I see things like this, my first response is cynicism. What's really going on? Is this a move of God? Is this just emotion? Again, is this emotionalism? Is this, what's happening? 
And so as we walk through, and we're just talking, there, you saw those tents, and so they had heaters set up maybe every 15 feet along the way, so you could get underneath the heat, and it would stay underneath the tent. You could get warm, and you get warm, and you get warm. The cool thing is, there's a separate entrance for the students. So anybody, I think they've said anybody 24 and under, basically from high school age to 24, they go to the front of the line, and they get to go in and be a part of it. And so as we were, we were talking through with Jack, we had called them and said, hey, we're, we're thinking about coming, and, and what, what do you think about what's happening? You're on the campus, like, what's going on? And to hear a freshman in college try to explain what he's been a part of was amazing. And I said, so Jack, t- tell me kind of how I got started. He said, Matt, we had chapel on Wednesday. He said, I'll be honest, the speaker was fine. <laughs> He wasn't like jumping around. He wasn't excited or yelling at us and telling us that we had to do something or anything like that. He said it was just a normal chapel service. And he said, honestly, and here's the word that's been sort of tossed around, unremarkable. Asbury is a free Methodist seminary. It's a seminary and it's a university all in one. But it's, it's under the free Methodist denomination. And they're not known for their exuberance. <laughs> they're not really known for their, yeah, let's, let's generate something big. And so he said, it, it was simple. And I said, okay, well, tell me more. And he said, well, text started happening around campus that people, after chapel was over, silent room, no music, no anything, just went down to the altar and started praying. There was a handful And they were like, okay, that's weird, but okay, you know, that's fine. They felt led to do that. And then he said, I went to my afternoon class, and I got more texts, and and, and they're saying, guys, they're still in there. And there's more of them. And there's just students at the altar pouring out their heart. These are some who already profess Jesus. These are some who not, who are just confessing and repenting of sin. Not asked to do this, not told you'll get extra credit if you stay after chapel and do this, not even directed by the person who was leading chapel. This was a move of the Spirit within themselves that compelled them to say, I need to go and confess. And it kept happening. And it kept happening. And so now you get into the middle of the night. They said people were sleeping on the floor in the chapel. Because they were there and they wanted to stay. They didn't want to leave because they knew God was doing something. And so the praise uh, leaders who were there, and, and when I say praise leaders, that's a, very, that's a very generous term. It's a cajon. Do you know what a cajon is? Larry, tell them what a cajon is. It's a box drum you sit on, if you've ever seen it. So it's a little bitty box you sit on and you can hit it. It's not a big exuberant kit. It's a very simple little thing. And a guitar and a piano. That's it. But it kept going, and it kept going, and it kept going. And that chapel speaker that was speaking, he doesn't even go to the university. He's not even a part of the faculty. He was just a guest speaker that came in that day. He came back, and he knew something is happening. And he just started leading. And so by the time we got there Friday night at 1130, 
and stood in line for about 45 minutes. We finally made our way up to the chapel. Ryman, show them the picture. Yeah, just the... So this is the front of Hughes Chapel. Hughes Memorial Auditorium is, is what this is called. And you can see, I mean, this is just right in front of the steps. There are floods of people trying to get in. And so we get into the building... And, and all along the way, and I don't know if these were like church people, I don't know if these were uh, student organizations, but while we're standing in line, people are coming down asking, hey, can we pray for you? Here's some water. Here's some snacks. Are you warm enough? And so we get into the line, and there's these two ladies there, and they are just, their smile on their face is just like, welcome. We are so glad you're here. And then at the corner, there's another, they've got people manning the entrances and essentially it's like kind of like when you used to go to the the movie theater they would have the ushers and so that's what they do they have ushers going up and down watching the aisles and go okay there's three seats over here and then they'll go hey do you got three and they're ushering people in to be able to come in I don't I'm trying I've tried to figure out how to put into words what I felt when I went in there honestly I was expecting this boom exuberance I was expecting this like big band I was expecting like people saying you should do this there was relatively no instructions other than the worship leaders at the time were just sort of starting a song and the congregate the people in the crowd took over there were no words flashed up on the screen there, there was no bulletin with the words in it it was just People praising Jesus from their heart. And I thought, okay, so we can just keep, you know, after a while we're just going to keep singing and it's going to keep going. That's not what happened. The, the leader who had preached that sermon, he came up and he said, guys, we're going to read scripture. And after we read scripture, just like we did this morning, we're getting used to it. We read scripture and say, this is the word of Lord. And we repeat, thanks be to God. The response was, we believe it. And so for a period of about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, he just read scripture. And after he got finished reading, we would all respond, we believe it. And then he got up and he said, there are so many different ways that we worship. And so for the next 20 minutes, we're going to spend in silence, just asking the Spirit to speak to us. Now, at this point, we're still out in the yard. We hadn't made it in yet. But again, I'm going, wait, this, this is not what I expected. This is not trying to drum up emotion. This is not people saying, oh, just keep going and keep going and keep going. They're actually saying, no, 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 be silent. <laughs> be still. Listen to Jesus. Listen to the Spirit. It was beautiful. So if you have seen, honestly, I mean, we just did this this weekend. I got here this morning, and, I, and the Lord just kept going, hey, you need to first person talk about this with our people. Because again, it's so easy to see things from afar. I, I, there were some people in the office this week, and they were like, hey, you know, you talked about that Asbury thing? I saw it on the news. Many of you may have seen that they have been advertising and talking and doing stories about this. But I, I, the Lord could not, like, I was praying this morning, and he would not lift from me, hey, you need to, you need to tell your people what's going on there. Because it's easy to see it from afar and go, yeah, but... 
yeah, but are they? And I'll be honest, I had those same sort of thoughts. But I want to tell you this morning that what's going on at Asbury, it's not perfect. But it's a move of the Spirit. And here's what's the most beautiful thing about it. Just yesterday, the, the president of Asbury University, they're, they're trying to figure out, like, what do we do? There's 1,500 students that go to the university and the seminary. The town of Wilmore that it's in is a population of 6,700. There were at least five to 6,000 people just on the lawn yesterday trying to get in. Not even including 1,700 that are inside that auditorium, Hughes. Not even including two other chapels that they've opened up to try to get overflow for people to just to be able to sit down. Now, I, I have a little bit more perspective of this because the town that I grew up in, well, even the town, the county that I grew up in had about 6,000 people. So I can imagine, and God love them, but the police department the fire, like they're, they're like, what do we do? We've never had to experience anything like this. Like we've used to policing 6,000 people in itself, much less adding an additional tens of thousands of people coming through there every day. We had to stay 35 minutes away because there's no hotel rooms anywhere there. But here's what I love. The university president sent a message out yesterday and said, we believe that this is a genuine move of the Spirit. But we don't in any way believe that it's going to be held just here at Asbury and confined to this university. And so what he has asked, starting next week, they're going to close it off to the public. So you're not, the public is not going to be able to go and try to get into the chapel anymore but he said, we're going to keep it open for our college students and students in that, in that college. I didn't get that. Could you try again? So if they want to keep going, we're not going to stop it. But we don't want to make it a spectacle. Listen, when someone starts saying, we don't want to make this a spectacle, we need to listen. Because so many times when God does move and the Spirit does do amazing things, there are people who want to make it a spectacle and start making it about them. There are reports that a well-known worship leader that nationally, if I said his name, all of you would know, called and said, hey, I'd love to come lead worship and keep this going. And they refused. And they said, we don't want a big name here. We don't want this to be about a personality. We want this to be about what the Spirit of God is doing. So I got a couple more videos I want you to see. Now, mind you, my son, I think Chandler, I think he took one of them. So if the filming gets you a little swimmy, just close your eyes and listen, because he was, he was going. I, again, I want to remind you, this is at 11.30 p.m. is when we got in line, and at midnight, we made it into the chapel. So take a look at this. 
this wasn't about an experience. But when we walked into the room, I can tell you, I felt this heaviness. And I was like, wait a minute, what? I expected to walk in here and be like, whoo, let's run around and shout and jump and do all these things. That's not what I felt at all. I felt this incredible heaviness. And then I realized, I felt tethered. I felt secure. That was the heaviness that I was feeling. That I was connected. I was in such peace with what the Lord was doing. I wasn't heavy. I was grounded. Lauren and I purposefully didn't prep our kids. Like we didn't say, hey, we're, this is what you should expect. This is what you should say. This is what you should do. Because we wanted to walk in there. And again, midnight, our kids are like, what are we doing? And I, we were talking on the way home, and I was like, hey. And I didn't ask if it was okay to share this, Ryman, but I'm, hopefully it's okay. Um, sometimes you take those liberties as pastors. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when she said, Dad, when I walked in, there was just this sense of peace that I felt in my, my stomach. She said, I've never felt like that before. Now, again, we're not running after feelings. We're, we're not running after that. But what we're seeing is that's confirmation that something is happening that's outside of us. And then she felt the exact same thing that I felt. I didn't, I didn't tell her. We, we, we purposely said, hey, we're not going to, like, even when we got out of there, we're not going to say a lot about how we experienced that because I don't want to lead them or make them think they're going We just simply said, how, what did that make you feel in there? Chandler was like, man, it made me feel happy. But I can watch this going on. Porter was like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> and that's okay. But I, I sat down with him because he did. He, he, he was like, Dad, I'm, it's 12. I'm tired. And I just sat down with him. And I said, man, I get it. It's okay that you're tired. But it's important that one day you remember, man, my parents drug me three and a half hours to sit in a chapel to experience a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit on His people. And I said, and I told him, I was like, man, this is special. This is special that we get to be a part of it. This is why I had Scott read the scripture that he did. And, and this is a scripture that we use during our morning prayer time in, in prayer for the city. And it's what it says. I will pour out water on the thirsty land. There's a key word there. What do you think it might be? Thirsty. I will pour out water on the thirsty land. When a group of college students, after chapel, without being directed, without being told, hey, you should go do this, start crying out to the Father and confess and repent and ask Him for do, to do a mighty thing. 
they became thirsty. They became thirsty. And I think what we're seeing happening at Wilmore, and it's happening at other campuses. We've seen it started happening at Samford University, uh, Campbellsville University. Uh, the, the, it's happening in all of these uh, universities where people are going uninhibited, just going in and starting worshiping, and more and more people are coming. But look at the second part of Isaiah 44.3. He said, I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And I believe what we're seeing happening, not just at Wilmore, but in campuses all over the country, I believe is we're seeing fulfillment of this kind of scripture. But again, I want to I remind us that it's not limited by time or location or space. I believe that where, the, and we, we know this, the Lord is sovereign. He is going to work in dry land. He is going to work in wherever he wills. But I also believe that we can look at scripture and see words like thirsty and go, yeah, when he's ready to move, he is looking for a people that is thirsty. This is a popular scripture you've heard, and unfortunately, I think we've taken it way out of context. We won't go much into that today. But 2 Chronicles 7, 14, many of you may know it. If my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways... Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now, I say we've, we've taken that out of context. I think what we've done is we've, we've Americanized that verse and go, oh, we can use this to make sure that America is the greatest country in the world. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. But I want you to look at some of those, those words in there. What's the verse start with? If. If. Now again, I don't think that we can limit God. So I think that God can move and work wherever he sees fit. But I also believe, again, that he has given us scriptures like this as a director. He has given us scriptures like this for us to look at this and go, well, what does he mean by if? Well, I think he means if. If my people who bear my name, what's the first thing he says? Humble themselves. Again, what's the first thing that we see happening at what happened at Asbury? We see a group of a small handful of kids begin to humble themselves, to begin to confess sin, to begin to repent. Didn't care who was in there. Didn't care who saw them. Didn't care that there was only a few. Lauren reminded me that this morning. She was like, what we got to see was the result of the start of just a handful of people humbling themselves. 
I think so many times in ministry, so many times in the church, so many times we get to the point where we're like, man, I want to see God do an amazing thing, but we think he's going to start at the finish. And then we forget that in order for us to see that amazing thing happen, that he has given us passages like this to go, I've given you where to start. I haven't told you, go go drum up thousands of people and then I'll move. No, he simply said, if my people. Church, if we are in Christ in here, we are his people. So the group of people in here this morning, I believe. I don't hope, I don't wonder, I don't guess. I believe that if we will humble ourselves... What's the second thing he says do? Pray. We can have all the mission strategy in the world. We can have all of the programs in the world. We can have some of the best, most vetted opportunities that we can offer here at our church. And those aren't wrong. But where we have got it backwards is that we think if we'll just work on the strategy, then God will come through. But we've misplaced where the strategy should be. The strategy should not be how can we get and get the best programs or come up with the best things. The strategy is humble ourselves and pray. Humble ourselves and pray. And then he said, seek my face. One of the most amazing things that I saw while we were there was not the people leading music, was not the people raising their hands and worshiping. It was the people at the front and on the sides literally laying flat on their face, seeking the face of the Lord. trying to get as low as they could in order to see that it wasn't about them, but it was about seeking his face. Those are the things you might miss when you see videos like that. There are pods of people all around that campus praying. When we were leaving yesterday, we were walking through, and right outside of the dorms, there was just a group of 10 or 15 people just standing out there praying for the people and the kids who were going to the university that it wouldn't stop, that it wouldn't stop, that it wouldn't stop. They were in the back. They were not out front. They were not trying to be noticed. They were not trying to get notoriety. They just gathered in the back entrance of the dorm and said, you know what, we're going to pray for the kids who live in this dorm. The last thing he says is turn from their evil ways. I think the word turn is where we need to put our focus. I think we know what the evil ways are. I think we can identify them. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do this or, or I shouldn't do, you know, act this way or I shouldn't say these things or I shouldn't give my time to this. I think we know what those evil things are, but it's a difference in knowing them than turning from them. And I think that is why we see 
him use that particular phrase. That same word, turn there, it's the same word when we look at the word repent. Repent is not just, hey, here are the ways that I'm, I'm sorry about how I'm living. But notice when I, I'm doing this, I'm keeping on walking towards those ways, right? That's not repentance. Repentance is not acknowledging that we have sin. We've done that this morning. We, we've acknowledged that we've fallen short. But if we as a people continue to walk and say, yeah, God, I'm sorry I'm doing this, and we keep walking towards it, that's not repentance. When we turn from our evil ways, it says, this is the way that I really want to sin. This is what I really enjoy. This is what my flesh wants. But rather than satisfy what my flesh wants, I'm going to turn from my evil ways and I'm going to leave those sins behind us. It says, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The only hope that we have that anyone will turn from their sin is the Spirit of God convicting them. We can't argue with them enough. We can't shame them enough. We can't do anything on our, in our own power to get them to turn from their sin. God, and we've been learning about this over the, the last several weeks as Jesus has sent out his disciples. He has said, you're not going out there to convince them of anything. You're just going out there to proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. And the Spirit of God is the one who will convict and who will cause to turn from their evil ways. Ryman, show that other video.
it's my kids' voices that I hear. I want to see the Spirit of God poured out on us and our descendants like we're seeing happening all over the world and all over the country. I want it. This is what is going to change things, that the Spirit of God would be gracious enough to be poured out on us. Angela, you can come on up. So we're just going to spend just a few minutes doing what this scripture has said. We're going to be thirsty. We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to pray. We're going to seek his face. And we're going to turn from our evil ways. So whatever that looks like for you this morning, if you want to do it at your seat, that's fine. If you want to come and pray in the altar, that's fine. If you need to walk around, that's fine. Like There is full freedom in Christ this morning. This is not about a show. This is not about trying to drum up emotionalism within you. This is simply saying that we believe that the word of God is true. And we believe that when he says, if... That rather us be a people to go, yeah, does he really mean that? Us be a people that go, you know what? He said if, and so we're going to do it. And we're going to trust that if we do this, then he will. And we're going to trust that he's going to lead us, that his spirit is going to be poured out on us. So that's what I want us to do this morning. Angel's just going to play, and we're just going to spend, I don't know, a couple minutes, ten minutes. I, I, I want to let this happen. So wherever, whatever you feel, I want you to follow the instructions that we've been given here at Second, at Second Chronicles 7.14 to do those things. So if you need to spend time just confessing sin, that's fine. If you need to, to, to spend time repenting, asking the Lord, say, show me how to turn from my evil ways. Seek his face, but pray that the Spirit of God would fall on us, fall on our church, fall on our community. And that we would see more and more and more people coming to know who he is. So let's do that this morning. Angela, you can just play. Acts 1.14 says that all of them were in one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. Together with women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers devoting themselves to prayer. And we see just a little few chapters later in chapter 4, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Now there's a lot that happened between Acts chapter 1 in Acts chapter 4. Notice it wasn't the next verse. It wasn't immediate. There was a group of students at Asbury that had been praying 
for revival for months and months and months and months and months and years. They've been praying for it. So what I don't want us to think is like, okay, God, it's over. We've done our deal. We took time. We prayed. Next week, we got to see you. God, would he, amazingly, I would love to see that happen. But these students were praying for months and months. And then when they started to hear of the people confessing and being at chapel and staying after chapel, they started saying, could this be the revival we've been praying for? So that's the kind of expectation that I want us to have as a people. That, that, that our praying for this doesn't end this morning. <laughs> that we continually pray and continually seek and continually ask. And I would love that all of us in this room get to see it within our lifetime. But there could be a reality that even some of you are at home with Jesus and then get to look down and say, oh, that's the revival we prayed for. You get to be a part of those cloud of witnesses that says, yeah, keep going. We were there and we prayed for it. Man, we didn't get to see it happen while we were there, but we're still cheering you on from heaven. And keep going and keep going and keep going. Guys, I promise you, that the Lord is faithful. I wish I knew his timing. I wish I could tell you that it's going to happen at this moment or this time. I, I wish he would give us that vision or that sign. But all I can tell you is that I know that he's faithful. And whether we see it in a month, in a year, in our lifetime, or in my kid's lifetime, I'm never going to stop believing that this is true. And that, that his word has called us to seek after his face. And if he chooses to do it now, praise God. And if he chooses to do it a, a next generation or a decade, whatever, praise God. But I know that I'm going to be fervently praying. And I want us as a church to be fervently praying. And I want you as an individual to be fervently praying that we get to see the same outpouring that he is doing right now all over the country. That we get to see them be a part of that here. Not for our glory. Not so we can say, oh, look at us again. Not that we can go, good, we can move out of this space and go to another space. That, that's not the point. The point is that the people's lives are changed forever. And their eternity is changed because they come to know the real Jesus. And so this morning, I, I don't ever want to assume, I don't ever want to have an opportunity to speak before a group of people and just assume, yeah, you're all believers in here, you know. If you are here this morning and you have not professed that Jesus is Lord, 
Now, what do I mean by that? That example that I used of like, yeah, I'm sorry that I live this way, but I keep walking towards it. I'm sorry that I sin this way, but I keep walking towards it. The point of repentance is, again, acknowledging that he is Lord, and I am turning from my sin and walking in newness of life with him. doesn't mean that I'm going to not take a glance back. doesn't mean that I'm not going to be perfect and run back to that sin every time, or, or maybe at some time. But what I can say is that I have repented of that sin. I, do, I no longer let it be Lord of my life. I profess that Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to walk towards him in righteousness. And when I do fail, he will pick me up. If you are here this morning, if you have not professed that he is Lord, don't be afraid. Because what if you're sitting there right now and going, man, I, I know I'm supposed to be saved, <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be because I've been a part of this or I've been here. I'm supposed to do it and I'll be embarrassed. But what if your profession, I'm not trying to, again, convert, or convince anyone or try to coerce you to do anything. I'm just saying have boldness enough that if the Spirit of God is dealing with you, that if someone saw you say, you know what, I'm stepping out on this boldness and I'm not worried about my appearance or what everyone might think of me. What if that's the spark? That's what I've been praying because I do, I see sparks flickering in the people that God has called in this church. And my prayer has been, God, fan those sparks into flames. And fan those flames into wildfires that go over and cover our land. Here's where Satan's going to come in. He's going to come in, and he's going to say, man, you feel good this morning. You guys had a high this morning, and then tomorrow's going to hit, and he's going to try to make you forget. Or you, you might be like, well, I, I stay, I feel this way, and I want to continue to move towards the Spirit, but I become weary. And I think, God, I, are my prayers actually working? Are they meaningful? Are you hearing them? And that's where we don't trust our feelings. We don't trust our experiences. We don't trust the way we feel is the way that God is actually moving. And the song we're going to end with today is called, He Will Hold Me Fast. He's not relying on us to keep it together, to stay on this high, to keep going. He is saying, hey, here's the instructions that I'm giving you. I want you to follow those. But when we become weary, we don't have to worry about holding on to him ourselves. He has us fast. And he is holding on to us. And then that's how we're able to keep going. Because if we're going to rely on our own power, or our own feelings to keep this momentum going, we're going to fail and it's going to flop but because he has us held in his grip, that's how we are able to maintain and sustain and continue on.